Hey, just quickly before we get started, we have a website called constructionsecrets.io. It's our website where we've got free training, free videos, free everything that you need to become a contractually savvy construction company. So basically sign better contracts with lower risk and that you've got more of a chance of making more profit on your, on your projects um, and ultimately stay in business over the long term. So go to constructionsecrets.io, consume all of that stuff and be a better construction company. And now let's get on the show. Hey, construction legends. So this is part two of my interview with Neil Gibb from the HMO Property Podcast. In part one, we talked about a few specifics to contracts. So the biggest issue in construction at the moment, how to get out of contracts and a few other you know, tactical things around how to negotiate you know, better cash flow for your projects, um, how to set yourself up to have a better margin. In part two, what we talk about, Neil dives deep into my background, how we became such x-ray, how we developed our system. And also we talk about the construction market in general and what's happening and maybe a little bit what to expect for 2023. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kieran Brennan. I'm the CEO of a company called Quantum Contract Solutions. And we help construction companies with a smarter solution for contracts administration, sign better contracts, have better cash flow, and ultimately avoid disputes and have better project margin at the end of the day. If you're interested, you can go to our website, quantumcontractsolutions.com, check out the video there um, and, and, and go from there. That's it. Let's get into this video. Um, it is our, our podcast. It is an absolute ripper. Chat to you soon. Bye. So um, my original, uh, I'll go way back. Yeah. Fact, are you ready? Right? Way back. Back to Galway. Back to Galway. Galway. <laughs> so my my um, granddad owned a construction company called Brennan Construction. And there's actually a hotel there. Now. Oh, no, no. It's a restaurant, right? Called Brennan's Yard, which is where his, his, his yard was. And when he died, there was a, um, the newspaper article said the man who built Galway. And so I always wanted a construction because of that, mm. right? And and there's a there's a there's a very funny story of me working on a building site when I was thirteen and my parents came around, they just dropped us off, right? Me and my cousin Brian, and they dropped us off and they drove by later in the week just to check in how we're going. We're both driving dumpers. <laughs> just, you know, live and they're like, Oh, whatever, right? All we we're missing was a cigarette hanging out, <laughs> out of our mouth, right? So anyway. The advice to me was don't 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 be a don't be a, don't be a builder don't go don't be a contractor it's 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 a tough game mm. so you're better off going client side and so I went I got a degree in construction economics and management and then went on to the masters in engineering so I'm very construction heavy mm. right? I understand construction less and then and then over time I got into the contract side by experience yeah. um, but what I was on the client side I could see all of these contractors going out of business. It was actually me rejecting invoices. It was me rejecting variations. It was me saying no, you know, and you could see that, you know, what they were submitting was just, they didn't understand. They just hadn't a clue how the system worked in the big companies. They didn't understand. And that was what was putting them out of business all the time. Like it was a crazy amount of, of, of companies going out of business. So eventually that caught up with me, uh, didn't feel good about it. But I knew I knew the inside system of these places. I know what they will accept, what they won't accept. I know how to navigate the system. So that's how I started my business, as in I go and help these guys navigate the system so then they get a great result um, and, you know, go forward that way. Mm. And did you start that back in Ireland or did you start that here? Started that here. Yeah, cool. When yeah. did you start it up? 2019. Beautiful. Mm. How big is your team now? 25. Wow. Big growth, eh? Big growth, Fast. yeah. So we're in Australia, New Zealand, and the US. So it's fair to say, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice, man. So it's fair to say there's quite a bit of demand out there for people to review contracts and make sure that they're not getting 
Yeah, that they're all getting a fair deal for sure. I mean, yeah. look, most of these companies are big enough that they need they like they need this support. Yeah, but not big enough to hire like someone in house full time. Nor do they do they want to. Yeah, right. And what, what sort of things do you need to stay on top of to be on top of this role? Is it is the um, any sort of industry standard or any new regulations that come out that you need to be aware of when you're reviewing contracts? Uh, the depends on the size of the company, but a lot of times there's security payments acts in the various different states, and that's the avenue mm-hmm. for disputes. So that's the main that's the main thing. But most of the stuff we always say we don't do a legal dispute, we don't do a legal review. It's not 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 legal at all, right? We don't care about changing words for the sake of it. All we care about is saving you money and reducing your risk. It's a, we call it a commercial review, right? And because we like some some stuff, we'll say to our client, "Hey, we know." John Holland, for example, won't accept this. We know. Every time we've tried, they won't accept it. So there's actually no point even trying, right? It's better off to put a, a document that is, is much smaller and the things that we're asking for, we know that they move on and you get a better result. Yeah, cool. Who was the first client you worked for when you first set your business up? Um, and what did you learn from that first one? Because there's always a lot of value in that first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I... Um, I th- I think it, it is a better story on, on, that, on that particular one. So I just wanted to do the contracts management side as the business. That was all we were doing because that's how I felt like it helped the most. Yep. And I went into a business and they go, can you do a contract review? And I, I was like, yep. <laughs> I think it's Richard Branson where he says, like, if someone offers you something, a good, good opportunity to say yes and work out how we do it later. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just, so, yeah so I just, um, and then that actually didn't, that that actually didn't uh, come off that that one, but I was like, okay, this is something people want, mm. so let's develop the system. So we developed the system, and then I got another company. In, in first one was in Brisbane, a company called Benchmark Scaffolding, and um, I charged them not very much money, a um, lot of output, gave them a load of value, like tons of value. They're still a client to this day, yeah. still nice. a client to this day, which is fantastic. Um, and then, uh, then a, a company called Canada, Caledonia Scaffolding was our first big client that we had here. A lot of scaffolders. Yeah, a lot of scaffolders. <laughs> Actually, there, there is a lot of scaffolders. A lot of scaffolding companies, civil companies, um, steel fabricators. Yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. Guys are worried about spending a lot of money on stuff. And the scaffolding companies and civil companies, would they have a contract per project? Um, we, the way we price our services is, you know, how many, how many tenders do you have a month? Um, and mm. then we'll we'll average it out over the year. I can go up or down. We don't do whatever. Um, and then how many PMs have you got? Right. And we'll work. We'll like we'll be that P- PMs. You know, we'll do all the paperwork for that PM. Yeah, right. Good. So he just rings us and does uh, sends in whatever he needs. So a lot of this kind of variance in. How do you build a team around that? So if if you've got the skill set, how do you put that through to? Oh, we've got twenty five people. There. Mm. How do you train? How do you get that data and skills out of your mind into a process that other people can follow? So we use a, a, a we've got a lot of um, tech as well that that helps us. But we use various different. We got a, we use um, a software called Process Street where you've process proceduralized the whole thing, mm. right? So you can go in, you can run a process, and it'll tell you step by step step exactly what you need to do. We run, you know, we get people that are skilled in the industry anyway. But I run them through a twelve-week certification mm-hmm. uh, when they first start, so that at the end of that, they know not only do they, they already know stuff, but they know how I want it done mm. and uh, what the best success metrics are. Um, which is, I think, is really valuable to them because then they can leave 
my company down the line and take that skill set and be very valuable to another company. And that's a good thing. Uh, and again, I think it's Richard Branson where it says, what if we train these people and they leave? And he says, what if we don't and they stay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Got some good uh, nuggets out, Ricky. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's grown quite fast, hasn't it? What, what are you excited about today? What's happening in the business that really excites you? And what are you looking forward to over the next like two or three years? Um, so we our our vision. So we 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 got ninety clients. Mm. Our vision is to help a thousand clients globally, yeah. a, a thousand construction companies. Now to, to put a bit of anger in some people, right? And as I often do this with my team. These big, so these. I'm not. I'm not, not going to rag on John Holland because someone <laughs> hears it and comes after me, right? <laughs> but I am. So those level of companies right they're not actually construction companies they're finance companies right so how do they make money they'll 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 let's just say you've got um the government wants to build a, a bridge so they want to build a bridge they go out to tender and they award it to someone like john hollander cpb or main contractor you can use this analogy for anything right mm. so they get it and they get a big loan um to fund it um and then they they make the money from the delta of that loan and how much they get paid by the client and then they subcontract out all the work to to the clients. What they do is that, um, what they do is they push all the risk down, and they often don't pay people. They don't do stuff. So you got these these mom and pop businesses that have grown and they got they gotten bigger. They got more successful, mm. and they're being like bullied. Hey, so we'll get back to the pod in two seconds. And so if you're getting some value from this or you're enjoying it and you think there's other people in the construction industry that would also, please just use your thumb, share it with them on WhatsApp or whatever uh, way that you share these type of things, Facebook, whatever it happens to be. Uh, It makes a huge difference to the podcast. It allows us to grow and impact more people. And we would really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Because they don't have the expertise. Mm. You know, they, they're concentrating in their head on just just deliver the project. Deliver the project best I can. Yeah, because that's what they know. That's what they know. Yeah. And if I do a good job, it all things will... But they don't know how to deliver commercially, contractually. Mm. And they end up getting done time and time again. Mm. Whilst we're kind of on the construction industry as well, so obviously you're in the thick of it. You're yep. working with a lot of contractors, builders, developers, stuff like that. Um, what have you seen in the industry over the last two years, and what are you seeing now? Is it is it starting to kind of fix itself up, or are we are we still are we still in a bit of trouble? Honestly, I think we're in a bit of trouble. Still, yeah, I think we're in a bit of trouble. Okay, um, it is a very tough industry for the construction industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, depend. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is during COVID, the government pumped a lot of money into the construction industry. People won a lot of projects, a lot of projects kicked off. And to, to make it short, a lot of people can't deliver on their promises because they can't get materials and they can't get um, people. And because of that, they're going out of business. Yep. Right? Uh, I think, you know, there's an example of you're trying to, you know, let's say you have to supply um, glass somehow and you spend a lot of money getting that glass and then it doesn't arrive for months and you're massively late on your project. Mm. And you've it's you've spent that money, but you definitely haven't got paid for that money. That's hurting. Mm, and your staff are still getting paid every month. For sure. Money mm. going out, your cash flow is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Yeah. There's a lot of people where that's not working out for them. Also, some people have won these projects on rates, and now they're delayed significantly. And those original rates that they are tied to now, like 
you know, how, what's inflation? Like how much? It's only 7% or something. So, well, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Like if, so so now, well, let's just say, yeah, 7% in the last year or whatever it is. It's about, you know, the bottom line is they can no longer make a profit on those original rates that mm. they're being held to. Yeah. I think we called it a profitless boom. A profitless boom, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Everyone's like manic, but no one's really making any money because like the increases are just outweighing what we charge for them. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, what have you seen in the way of, are you seeing so suppliers struggling and going out of business as well as just builders? Or are we, see, are we seeing builders still going out of business as well? Uh, honestly, it predominantly would be builders. Okay. Yeah, it would be builders, yeah. And what do you think a client should be looking for and our investor should be looking for? If they're thinking of build a house now, what are the top five things you should look for in a builder? In a builder? Yeah. You you really want to look at their solvency. How, right. do, they, how do they do that? There's a... Well, like it come to us, but um, <laughs> no, if you want to do it on their own, there's, there's stuff like Credit Watch. Yep. Um, you got to find out, have they been in court? Have they, um, do they have any judgments against them? Have they not paid anybody? You need to understand that information. It's really important mm-hmm. um, because right now it's more like, it's, it's, it's more important than ever, right? So I'd say the biggest risk is, can this builder stay alive for the duration of my project? Mm. So there's a bit of, you know, it, if someone's a bit more expensive, but they've got a good history and they've got a good business, that that's probably more valuable these days or about someone who's pitching you low. Mm. I'd say that's probably the best advice I could give is to really, if someone's coming low with a price to you at the moment, you'd step back and, and think about, hmm, you know, maybe that's not, maybe it's, a, it's, it's worth the money now, but if they go out of business, I'm in trouble. Interesting, interesting. So all the things that you mentioned there, they, they can be done online themselves. Or yeah, yeah. Would you review a $400,000 bill contract for an investor, for instance? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would it yeah. be worth, um, would they see the worth in that, do you think? Obviously. For sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, right now, like, absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. I think so, because it's, it's, um, it, it's just the market. It is the market, and also you know, it's it it pays to understand these things, right? So if you're just signing a contract, I mean, we all do it. Like how many Facebook contracts have we, you know, things have we checked that we have no idea what it is? Um, but ultimately, there's the impact of them doesn't really affect your bottom line. When it when it really does affect your bottom line and your cash flow and your whatever, you know, ultimately on your investment, is how is that going to impact the returns on your investment? Obviously, it is. You know, you need to you need to know. Mm. So, if anyone needs you to do some DD mm-hmm. on a on a builder on a build contract, how do they contact you? Just go. Well, first of all, don't take my word for it. <laughs> go to uh, quantumcontractsolutions dot com. It's a case study. Check the case study out, um, and then if you want to book in a call, you can do that there too. Beautiful, beautiful. So, let's talk about coaches and mentors because I always like to find out a little bit more about how you've got to where you are, who's given you a helping hand and stuff like that. So who, who would you give credit to when it comes to coaches and mentors? Oh, wow. Uh, this is probably one of my favourite topics. This Have you got, you know, how long have we got on this podcast? This is going to go. It could be a podcast just on its own, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I, same again, I, I'm all for spending an absolute fortune on mentors mm. because the amount of money that you get save is is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, so my first mentor was a guy called Alan Dibb. 
So Alan Dube wrote the book called The One Page Marketing Plan. Mm. Read the book, loved it, and I just went to him directly as a show, show us how. So he, he showed us the business model, you know. So you can make a mistake in business where you, you start off and you're doing the wrong thing. And that can hurt you, right? Warren Buffett says, you know, there's no point paddling hard if you're in the wrong boat, yeah. <laughs> right? So you've got to choose the right boat. So he helped me choose the right boat, yeah. which is fantastic. Um, and then just general business principles, how to set up, like, what the, what the, I think I'd started, tried to start businesses before my own and, you know, spent lots of time the logo and, you as know, you do. yeah, as you do. <laughs> and spent, you know, whereas just now don't spend time on that, spend time on this, spend time on this, spend time on this. Um, so Alan, Alan was fantastic. Um, I then went to a company in Brisbane called the Influencer Project. So the guy Rana there runs that, and he showed me how to um, a really fantastic LinkedIn strategy, which showed us basically brought in leads and still bringing us in fifteen twenty leads um, a, a week. A week. Wow, excellent. Yeah, it's good. I mean, they're all semi interested. You know, yeah. they're not like you know diehards. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's been fantastic. And then there's a guy called, um, Alex Hermosi. I don't know if you follow him yeah, online. Yeah, yeah. He, he's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, with the big handlebar mustache. Handlebar yeah, mustache. Yeah, yeah. So he, he talks a lot about, um, skills, character traits and beliefs. And I think that's probably the single biggest thing that's helped me in that I had already acquired a lot of the skills I knew how to market. I knew how to to sell. I knew how to do. I knew. I knew, you know, all the the skills. I had them right. But the next level of that was why. Like, why wasn't I making success? Well, I didn't have the character traits to, you know, put those skills to use. Mm. Couldn't turn up and do it every single day. Every single day, like main, make eighty, ninety calls every single day, cold calling people. Actually, at that forty under forty, there was a guy who won the forty under forty. As well, he's a construction company in in the northwest, you know, in in the Pilbara. Mm. And when he came up to me, because I remember you, you cold called me when you were first starting, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's great! That's 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 a real nice moment for me because the amount of cold calls I made, the amount of calls I made every day, um, and it, it when you get into that routine of I'm, the, and then the next one is beliefs, but I'm the type of person who does that stuff." Mm then it makes a huge difference. Did you sign him back up at the awards? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it might be a bit inappropriate to start lobbying for that, but you've reminded me now. <laughs> uh, mate, it's been a pleasure catching up with you today. I'm glad, yeah. glad we did this. Um, I'd like to finish off on a, on a favourite quote. So what's your most favourite quote that you like? Um, the So that it's kind of come for me. One, one that I have right now, and it's on my wall, um, is repeat successful actions. Perfect. Simple yeah. as that. Simple, yeah. There's been quite a few quotes in this podcast. There has, actually. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Richard Branson's featured a few times. <laughs> Keen, it's been a pleasure catching up with you, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Absolutely loved it. Take it easy. Thanks, mate.